podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Pick up your phone while driving and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that wakes up hungover after the weekend's rugby and tries in vain to piece together exactly what's happened. I am Lee, joining me as usual is... Uh, a, a remarkably chipper job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And joining us fresh from his latest acting job, probably, is Mike Bobbins. Hello, Mike. Hello, boys. How are you? Not bad. Decent weekend, then, fellas. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Like. Yeah, I've had worse ones. To be fair, yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was all right. It's not too bad. Yeah, we'll talk about that um, later. I sp- I watched the uh, well on Friday night. I went to watch Warrington versus Wigan. Mm. And Wigan lost, so that was great. But I'd forgotten just how amazing rugby league crowds are. They spent the entirety of the match just hurling abuse and flicking V's at each other, including the kids and everything. I imagine oh, it's what kind of like Ponty versus whoever used to, Caffilly used to be back in the day, or Ponty yeah, versus Cardiff. It's more the sort of it come with the, the Gwent Valley, and it would be you know if you like Cum Khan against Abercorn, that sort of that sort of match. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, yeah, it was fantastic, and uh, the Wolfie, the Warrington mascot, mm. walked past the Wigan fans like. Waving his hand in front of his nose as if they stank. Yeah. And then he went round to the Warrington fans and then and shat a small Wigan mascot out of his shorts. I mean, fair play. play. <laughs> it was some serious, 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 serious. Did that come calm? They would set fire to your outfit. <laughs> <laughs> they'd, have the, they'd have the last laugh as you burned to death inside a wolf outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and that would stick, that would, that nylon. Yeah, that like, really would pong. Prophylactic. Oh, yeah. You don't want to melt into a jersey, do you, really? I mean, I also watched the uh, Madeleine McCann documentary on Sunday on Netflix. <laughs> but like I'm only mentioning is... this. I'm only mentioning this because I didn't realise. Do you know who... Who's good as the book or no? I've not read that either. Oh, it's a great read. Did you... Well, you might notice then, Mike. Do you know who's, Do you know who's bankrolled all of their investigation and all their money and all of their... Mr. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, maybe somebody's nearly as rich as him. Brian Kennedy, who used to own Sale, Steve Diamond's really? mate is the one who's paid for all of their private investigation work and everything. And at one point, sent his son over to work as a private investigator. And it was quite clearly just a drunk, sorry, a rich bloke and his mm. son fancy playing private dick, I think. It's the most bizarre thing. Anyway, watch it. It's the most bizarre thing. Yeah. Well, well, i got a bit of downtime on the weekend now. Maybe just had an anniversary, so... Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to stick the old Madeleine McCann documentary on. Well, after, yeah, well, you can get them all going. Just Madeleine McCann, Michael, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly... Red and just enjoy myself. Yeah. Basically, every week for the last month on this podcast, we have started off talking about which horrendous, Her- horrendous true slash, crime, yeah, sex yeah, pest program documentary watched, yeah. we watched this week. Although, so, do, do you know what though? It did answer the question that I was asking myself the other day when I saw the listings: Who the fuck wants to watch a documentary about Madeleine McCann? And now I know who <laughs> you. <laughs> well, we can't all be urbane like you, Mike. Do you know what I mean? That's true. An eight-hour documentary as well. I'll, I'll level with you. I got an hour in and was like, "This can't go on for another seven it's, hours." It's definitely got the Netflix bloat. 
Yes. I love a doc, I do. I put BBC Four is the word. I'll watch anything. And then oh, I'll make BBC any... Four on a Friday, the music I shit, night. No, I watched a documentary on BBC Four last week about apples, right? <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be on the iPlayer. It was a history of the apple. It was fascinating. And I watched it thinking, right, make this interesting, you wankers. And they did. It was brilliant. Radio Four does that as well. I turned Radio Four on today and I was halfway through a documentary about bluefin tuna. That was fantastic as well. <laughs> anyway, enough of this. Anyway. Uh, if you want to get What's in touch, podcast. you want to get in touch yeah. with the podcast. Uh, allegedly, yeah, it's uh, me. You can get at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud dot com, and you, Josh, uh, at Josh Gardner uh, at RugbyShootWatch, RugbyShootWatch dot com. The use. And Mike, yeah. how do people get hold of you? Well, you know uh, all about your website. You never update. Now you don't have to tell people that anymore. Yeah, just just be <laughs> at Mike Bourbon's on Twitter. Then I suppose. Lovely, lovely, lovely. You, we're on Acast and iTunes and all that stuff. And of course, we're on Patreon dot com slash Blood and Mud. If you want some extra stuff. We've started our team of the 90s by naming Christian Cullen at fullback. Rather obviously. It's left wing next. It's going to be Jonah Lomu. So Absolutely. There's no, sus- yeah. there's no suspense about that. That's we'll, a shoe Yeah, so we're, we're going to go episode by episode, position by position. I'd like to think that, it, that we'll hit a position eventually that isn't incredibly obvious. Back row's never and obvious in any era. Yeah. No, true, true. I watched a great clip today. Just a quick tangent. Um, I was on Xavi Rush's... Uh, Twitter feed mm. for some reason. I can't remember why. <clears throat> but um, he had a post in there from the first World Cup of uh, Buck Shelford when he knocked out the oh. Welsh second row. Phil. Phil oh, God, his name escapes me. No, no, no. Anyways, great. Phil May. Rugby. No, one Phil May. <laughs> I think it has to be called Phil if I can. <laughs> so, um, what do you mean, Phil? What are you thinking? Anyway, so, <laughs> but anyway, the point, the point being... Uh, uh, Hugh Richards. Is who he Hugh Richards. Sparked. Yes. Thank you, mate. So, there was a bit of a mall going on. Or Phil, and, as I he, like to call him, yeah. Yeah, Hugh slash Phil. And <laughs> he dragged one of the, uh, I think the second row, from, and just and threw a bit of a lame punch at him. At which point, Charvet absolutely sparked, just clocked him, bang, got him. He, he was out like a light on the floor, right? And I thought I thought at one point, Xavier upon there, oh, watch this till the end. I thought, shit, he's going to die. I, I don't remember him dying at the World Cup, right? <laughs> And at the end of it, he's out, he's, out, he's out for a good 90 seconds to two minutes, I reckon, right? Eventually, they get him round. Uh, they get him back on his feet. The referee goes to check if he's okay and then sends him off. <laughs> then, well, of course, he's the first uh, player to ever get red carded. And then the didn't send off Buck Shelford, yeah. which was amazing. You can't take a punch. You're off. Yeah, yeah. You, you asked for that. And he's off. Gone. Brilliant. It all kicked off in the, in after in the in-goal area in Warrington Wigan on Friday night in front of the Wigan fans. And as it was all kicking off, probably about five or six plastic bottles and cups come flying in from the Wigan fans. Nice. Onto the people that were fighting. Well, I believe, man, yeah. I'm telling you. Um, you know what, just quickly, before we move on about that, you said about Wigan. Um, I thought, I assumed Sean Edwards was going to Wigan when he leaves the Wales job. But he came out on the press in Wales like two days ago and said, as far as he's aware, after the World Cup, he's out of, he's out of work because... I think he had a, a, an agreement with Wigan to go there. He said, "But well, that was ten months ago, and no one's even bothered phoning him since." <laughs> yeah, it all seems to have got yeah. a little bit strange there, doesn't it? Like, I, I think they should was, just keep him, keep they made him a big song and da- they made a big song and dance about about signing him up. And yeah, I mean, how are Wigan doing? Are they doing all right with their interim bloke? And have they just gone no. fuck this guy's a lot cheaper? Wigan oh, having well, a then. terrible season. And, uh, yeah, and they look like powder puff on Friday, quite frankly. Well, there's you your man. Give, yeah. give, give Sean a job. Yeah, give Sean the job you've theoretically 
already given him? Yeah, ten. Yeah, make yeah. that phone call. You promised to make ten months ago. <laughs> just send him some paperwork for God's <laughs> we've, sake. We've all been, we've all been there. We've all had an email that we just thought, oh fuck, I really need to get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but... Come yeah, on. Sorry, mate. For some reason, you went on my spam folder, mate. I don't know. <laughs> so, so patreon.com, that started off with the conversation about the 90s. I'd like to say welcome along to the Ale Brew VIP lounge to the people who've stepped up and decided to become our close personal friends by paying that extra bit of money to be in the VIP lounge. And that's James Lovely. Sullivan and Ian Walsh. Thank you Welcome. very much, because there's no requirement for you to give a bit of extra, but you obviously no. think that somehow... For some reason, we're worth it, and I'll take that. Thank you very much. Uh, well, good lads. Well done, boys. Because we are worth it. Well, exactly. Player spotted. Let's start a player spotted. I'm yes. pretty sure, before we win the player spot, I'm pretty sure that Alan Brew, and I, this, this, might, this might end up being one of the worst things I ever say <laughs> on record, right? I'm pretty sure he's, he's the dad of one of the kids at my parents' school. At my kids' school, it's just not my parents' school. Um, I'm pretty sure it's him. But I don't want to ask in case it isn't him, because that would look really bad. <laughs> that would be awkward. Because yeah. it's, it's a Welsh language primary school. There's about mm. two black kids in the whole school, right? So it's, it's very white, very sort of middle class. I don't want to go up there and say, excuse me, you, are you on a brew? And they go, no, I'm the other one. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Well, imagine you're Nathan Brew. That would be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he's listening, though, you know. So we don't no, know he's... if Mike's spotted a player. He might possibly yeah. have spotted a player. We don't I've got know. a good player spotted, but I'll come with that in a minute. Go on. Okay. So anyway, Ben C. Russell gets in touch on the direct mither on Twitter. And he mm. says, I have a topical player spotted for this week's podcast. He says, some context, I'm a Scot currently at university in Dublin. Last April, I was working in a pub in central Dublin when in walked a large group of Glasgow players who were absolutely shit-faced. It turns out that they were on the now Bordeaux Begler second row's Greg Patterson's stag do. Anyway, up walks the now Scotland centre Sam Johnson to order the round. As I'm pouring 12 pints of Guinness, being a big Glasgow and Scotland fan, I have a quick chat with him. He's a nice guy. As he's walking away, I joke that maybe he'll be the one to score the winning try in England at Twickenham. Boom. Boom. He laughed and said he'd give it a shot. And then we all know what happened on Saturday. Ben finishes with, he says, sorry this isn't mundane enough to get airtime. Well, we've given it anyway. Then he, yeah. listen to this, he says, if not, I'll share the story of Issa Nathay was stopping his car to let me cross the street next week if that's more suitable. Of course yeah, that's more suitable. That you know the answer to that question before you've even said it, Ben. Do that next week, Ben. Yeah. Thank you for being in touch. If you've got any... It's nice to tease these things, you know, it is, like, isn't a it? Yeah, forward, like a throw forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the end I've of Neighbours. Can I say my one, briefly? And there's yeah. this... If it's right I've for told... now, yeah. I'm talking about a non-professional, not like someone I've seen that I spoke, that was supposed to be there. While I was at the game on Saturday, I actually had a piss next to uh, Zin Zambrook. Really? So there we go. How was he looking? I didn't want to look. <laughs> <laughs> I was so curious as well. He's, he's, he's a big unit, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Always that temptation, but uh, that's, that's caught me out in the past, so I, I wasn't prepared to uh, risk life and limb checking yeah, out. We'll have an update on that one next time you're on. <laughs> So there you go. So that was a player spotted. If you want to get in touch with the player spotted, you can get on the direct mither or you can do lee at bloodandmud.com or, you know, whatever, however you want to do it, really. Before we get started, I've got a bit of a, uh, another one of our great quizzes, Josh. Oh, Jesus. It's called Tall Stories. Right. So right. I want you and, and Mike, you can join in. Put these players, five players, in order of height, tallest right. to the shortest. Okay. Ready? Okay. I mean, this went incredibly well last People week. People loved it last the, week. I got at least yeah, one so. bit of reasonable feedback that didn't hate it. So Yeah. Oh, it's good, that. I'll see. So this is what happens when you encourage him, listeners. Tom Curry. Yeah. Damien Penno. 
Right. Robbie Henshaw. Chris yeah. Ashton. Liam Williams. Mm. Liam Williams is six foot. I reckon Ashton's less than that. Yeah, I reckon Ashton's like 5'11". I reckon it's Ashton, then Williams. Yeah. Then I'm going to say maybe... He's done, really, shouldn't I? You've got yeah. Ashton Williams, you've already said them. You've still got Tom yeah. Curry, Robbie Henshaw, and Damian Penno left. I'm going to go Penno, Curry, Henshaw, because Henshaw's fucking massive. I'd agree with that. Penno, Curry, Henshaw. So you've got Ashton from shortest to tallest. Ashton Williams, Penno, Curry, Henshaw. Mm. You know, that's not a bad effort. Ugh. Oh, come on. It's Ashton Williams. Yeah. Curry. Right. Oh. Henshaw Penno. Oh, not bad. Not Penno's bad. pushing 6'4, would you believe? Jesus. 1.93 meters. And what is Ashton out of interest? 1.83 meters. Just under six, six foot. foot. I said so. Didn't I? You did, yeah. Uh, Liam Williams is 6'1 ish. Tom Curry's a little bit taller than Henshaw, then Penno. There you go. Well, now we know. Shall we Liam talk about the weekend? Yes, please. Uh, yes. Just before we get into that, I had a bit of a... You know, Grand Slams are difficult to win thing. You might have seen this conversation on Twitter that mm. I had. If somebody had said to me before the weekend how many Grand Slams... That was a match stat they came up with there. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really interesting, yeah. So, yeah, 58% of tournament wins since 1995 have been Grand Slams. That's my, oh, that's which my, I would yeah. never have guessed. No. I'm not it's sure what that tells us. It's just interesting. It's more likely to be a Grand Slam than not. That's, that's yeah. a weird Yeah, the tournament that. winner is more likely to be a Grand In the past 25 years, I can't speak for before that. Yeah, but is it, is it because of the old days where it was much, it seemed like Grand Slams were much harder to win and were much less common? That oh, it's not... the Grand Slams sort of had this sort of mythical thing, but nowadays where home advantage is perhaps not what it once was for most teams. And people know the players a bit better, Pro 14 and, yeah, and all that. Yeah, European, maybe. It's European competition. I don't know. Mm. Here's another bit of a stat as well. Did you know there's been three Grand Slams won this year in both the men's, the women's, and the under-20s yes. tournaments? And, and they've all been won, and they've been won by three separate nations. That's never mm. happened before. Stats. God, you were statting all over Statting the place, it all you know? over the place. I've got yeah. to say, before we run from that little stat there, Lee, um, I like women's rugby. I coach women's rugby. I support women's rugby 100%. Right? It's amazing the number of blokes, English blokes, I'm assuming, on Twitter, who previously cared not one fuck about <laughs> Who are now reveling the fact that England got a grand slam in the women's rugby. Go and fuck yourselves. So then, yeah, we move that aside then. Um, so there's never been a slam of slams done. One Nation's never won women's, men's and under-20s. Well, that's oh, well, that's what they the next year then. No, they haven't. England won, England won two in 2008 when some other team won the men's one in 2008, I think. Mm. Yeah, because England went through a period of winning the under-20 slam as a matter of course every year. And the, the women's always, rugby, yeah. they're always... Well, they're professional, aren't they? And just yeah, they're a professional team, isn't it? Yeah. All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, then, anyway, so yeah. I suppose we better start with the Wales game. Aren't we? You were there, Mike, of course. I was there. Do you know what? And... Uh... I did a bit of uh, work at the stadium on the Monday for BBC Wales. And I sort of said to the fellow, there was a mate of mine, I said, oh, you, you must be able to get me a ticket for Saturday. It must be something you can do for Saturday. He said, we can't get on. I said, you've got a box. He said, we can't get anything. I mean, we can't, you know, and we were recording up on the presidential suite and we did all the bits and bobs. And then uh, it was my anniversary as well on the Sunday. So, so I just, I, put, I just put on, on uh, Twitter, I think, that I was looking for tickets or I couldn't get tickets. And uh, yeah, some some lovely fella that is a mate of mine called Jerry, 
he was a bit of a white boy. He used to run a lot of the doors in Cardiff and uh, did a bit of boxing, a bit of, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a handy unit, Jerry. <laughs> just just phoned me up and said, Mike, Jerry Lockett. I said, oh, yeah, Jerry. Mate. <laughs> he said, you still have the tickets, mate? I said, yeah, why? Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, if you can get them, Jess, give me five minutes. Phone me about five minutes later. <laughs> I got you two. I said, oh, oh what? You got that? Thinking then, shit, how much is these going to cost me? They were going like 800 quid each or so. Yeah. Right? He said, 240 for the pair, which is face value, right? Fucking hell. I said, oh, have you done this? He said, so never mind that. He said, uh, I fucking smack someone. <laughs> I had to bring it in cash to the McDonald's car park in Leckwith. Fantastic. We had like, the, <laughs> like a dusty drug deal. But it was brilliant. So fair play to Jerry. So, uh, yeah, I was in there. It was, it was absolutely. Do you know, the anthem, I've been there a lot. And the anthem wasn't as loud as it's been, maybe because the roof was open. Mm. But the singing throughout the game, the atmosphere was was the best I've ever experienced. It was. Just... I thought even watching on telly, you could tell that it was like from I think because we started well. Yeah. Everybody just properly because it. Well, it's not always a case that like the anthem's always good, but it's not yeah. always a case that Wales fans are singing all game long. But yeah. it felt every lull in play, every time Ireland had the ball, singing, singing, singing. It was well, really that's something. Well, right in front of where we we were on the second tier, but it was right in front of us. And the beer cups went up. I thought, I looked at the clock, <laughs> thinking it's not even two minutes. And then from, from that to the 80th minute was just non-stop. It was, I've yeah. never experienced anything like it. Did you feel I as do... comfortable as the team looked? You Welsh people watching. I never do, mate. It's, it's a Welsh... If, if, uh, you show me a Welshman who's who's <laughs> optimistic of a Wales win, and I'll show you a dick. Because it... Right? It, I, honest to God, it was like 78 minutes and we were three scores up. I thought, I could relax. I think we probably won this now. They're was, not, not going to score three tries in the last 90 seconds. Yeah, I got to, I got to like 66 or 67 minutes and I looked at the score and was like, all right, we might win this. It was amazing. Um, but to be honest, like even even like even though I wasn't optimistic, like I can't, from that first obviously the try was a big thing, but that first moment where Ireland had that driving mall inside our twenty two about fifteen minutes in, mm. and just Adam Beer just came straight through there and turned it over. Oh, man, it was unbelievable! Like it, at, at that moment, like I, I never think Wales are going to win, but at that moment, I thought, fucking hell, this could be the day. I think the moment the game for me, the moment the game for me, which made me think, yeah, this is going to go all right. This for Wales was was that park tackle on Stockdale. I did that same thing, mate, because I was right after the try. I thought, shit, here we go. I thought that was a try. And Parks hasn't got the biggest wheels, has he? He did Gareth Davis for speed, and I thought, here we go. And then I thought, oh, you beauty! And and that the crowd when that tackle went in, yeah, was like. This could be it. And that's the most beautiful things about rugby, isn't it? It is like a score. A tackle like that for the crowd oh, it's massive. is like a yeah. score. And the fact that it... Because if actually... If, he, if Parks had let him go two more paces, it was over. Yeah. Was because done, yeah. basically, Parks had to just launch himself full, full length at him. Yeah. And, and it stuck. And it was like, that was a fucking hell of a tackle. A hell Do of a tackle. Do you know what? It's the first time since I was a kid in the old East Terrace. It's the first time that I've been... I had tickets because I had no choice, but I had tickets that were behind the post, not on the sidelines. And it was weird to see. I mean, I, you see it on the TV and you see it when, you, when you're in the stadium on, on the touchline. But from behind the sticks, you really get an idea then of how well organised that Welsh defence is. Because yeah. it's the numbering up and, and, the, and the communication and, and the signalling. And it was just amazing to watch how they covered that paddock all game. It was just crazy to watch it. It just never like that. That was just the sort of it was the tone setter, really, wasn't it? It's 
it was arguably the only good thing that Sexton did all game was spotting that Wales had switched off very briefly. Yeah. Out wide and taking that penalty quick, but the fact like that was one, and you could tell them that was one of those moments where if they'd gone over, it's a totally different game. That would have been a, a momentum and, changer in a happy, wouldn't it? Yeah, and everybody like everyone in the stadium realised it that when he didn't score, that was fucking massively psychologically damaging to Ireland. Sort of they thought they caught us out. And he was got the left touch line. And I yeah. just my wife went, oh, shit. And, he, and he's Jacob Stockdale. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then, boom, have it. Lovely. Yeah, oh, yeah I do think there is. I mean, you know, games are often sentiment. made up of moments, aren't they? The, yeah. The that was a real that was, point. Even early. Even that early, early yeah. Because I thought it was going to be really tight. I thought, we've had a chance to score and we've scored. You've had a good chance to score and you've been tackled. And there's a, this, could, this, could be a, this could be a talisman for the rest of the game, and it was, thank God. I mean, it's, it's been bandied about a bit, but I honestly think Warren Gatland, is he the greatest coach in the professional era? Like, certainly the greatest Welsh coach, there's no doubt yeah. about it. But I mean, it's, it sounds like I'll take and I appreciate it, but like Hanson, yes, Henry, yes, maybe even Woodward, if you want to be very generous, have won World Cups and have been very good. But yeah, Henry and Hanson are... Uh, Winning with the All Blacks, he's supposed to win and, with and the All Blacks. Even with Woodward, it's not that to detract from what they did, but you're talking about resources. The shit state the Welsh rugby's in at the moment, at, yeah. at the regional level, all that bullshit two weeks ago about the with the players and the regions, mm. people have a job next year, all that disruption. So, so to come from a to come from a level that Gatlin's working with, where people aren't even sure they got a job next season, right? Yeah. There's disharmony everywhere. There's there's disruption all over the place. To get that squad of boys that focused, and I was it was talking to one of the dads in school today, another big rugby fan, and I said, "Okay, you're Hadley Park, you're on your Allen wins, but you watch that team, right? And there's no, if I use the old days, there's no Phil Bennett, there's no Jonathan Davis, there's no there's no one that really stands out as being a world beater, right? It's mm-hmm. just the job he's done, bringing that squad of players on, and that strength in depth, and we used to. The big one for me, and it was ironic because Eddie Jones let his big fucking mouth off again about um, <laughs> about Gatland and the Wales boys being tired, right? They never looked tired the last 20 minutes now. I know Honestly, the, the way they defended that line, of the, I know Ireland scored in the end, but they were absolutely ferocious beyond the England, 80th minute looked, when the, the game was won. The last 20 minutes, they were absolutely ball back. They're, they're, they're on their arses. And Wales don't do that anymore. I know that's... <laughs> The conditioning side, but the big boss. I mean, you know, Gatlin's the man who makes it all happen. Yeah, well, yeah, you look at him. He's won, he won three <laughs> premierships and a Heineken Cup with Wasps. He won. He's won four Six Nations, three Grand Slams with us, two Lions tours, one one, drawn one. Like and like you said, he did it with Wales. He's done fourteen fucking... games in a row, including South Africa and Australia. Yeah, you know, and England yeah. and Ireland. Yeah. It's and, crazy. you know, before Gatlin turned up, aside from that glorious six-week spell in 2005, mm-hmm. Wales had spent most of the last 30 years being a fucking shambles. Yeah, completely. And since then, we, we fucking... You know, it's not always been brilliant under Gatlin. There's been some, a couple of sticky moments, but we've got always no, been respectable. No, they've got no 18. They've got no funding for an 18. You know, no. There's no like, Saxons version of, of, of the Welsh team. It's just him and those 25, 30 blokes on that coaching team. And everything else around him is going to rat what, shit. It's just amazing what he's What's doing. interesting is that around about, I think, 2016, 2015 time, mm. and, and I think I, I said the same, that there'd come a point 
where Wales were playing a certain way, Jamie Roberts was fading. So mm. it wasn't as effective because he was so yeah. integral to that way of playing. And a lot of questions are being said that whatever Gatland does next will define what his legacy is really. A bit yeah. like Alex Ferguson, you know, Ferguson rebuilt a team three times and is probably yeah. the greatest football manager ever. And there's something about Gatlin with that, that actually when he's had to rebuild and do something different, even with the same coaching staff, he's managed to do it. I still think there's some question marks. I do, you know, I don't think you're going to beat New Zealand scoring as few tries as this. No, maybe. But, but this is his third. A, but then again, there's Faletau still to come back. If they can get Reese Webb, I mean, Faletau and Reese Webb in that team, yeah, it becomes something completely different well, again. There's a fifteen play like a full Welsh fifteen, right? That I I jotted down before we came on of Welsh players that either through injury or just not being picked weren't involved on Saturday, right? Lee Halfpenny, Hallam Amos, Tyler Morgan. Scott Williams, Steph Evans, Reese Patchell, Thomas Williams, Talibé Falatau, Ellis Jenkins, Aaron Shingler, Corey Hill, Bradley Davis, Samson Lee, Scott Baldwin, Wynne Jones. Shit. That's a fucking good international 15. Oh, we never and they had... weren't even in the 23. We've never had that. No, and it's... it's ab... For all the talk of how shit the regions are, yeah, and you know, we haven't got any point. money, Wales have never had this many good players no. in, like, one... Well, well, no, did, when did Wales go regional pro team? 2003? Yeah, 2003. For the Welsh, for the national team, you know, well, if, if you're going to use that as the outcome measure, it's done its job, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's and other things to measure. There's other things to measure. If, yeah. if you purely measure on that. Yeah, I, I always wonder what would have happened if they hadn't been so shambolic with the regions. Would, would it have been even better than it is now with my, yeah. my, my Welsh pessimistic head? I don't know. <laughs> No, well, there's an argument that if the regions had been more successful than they were, there's an argument that they would have been a sort of bit more of a club versus country pull than there is at the moment. <laughs> it's a slightly sort of morbid thing, but the regions are so fucking shambolic that, yeah. you know, all these boys want to do is play for Wales because they probably don't have that much fun playing for their regions. Well, it's so. a good point, mate, because if you're, you're playing for bloody, you know, Saracens or Harlequins on three or four hundred thousand pounds a year, playing in front of, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people, mm. I mean, that's, you know... That's a, that's a big deal. If you're playing for Newport Grand Dragons on Rodney yeah. Parade in front of like 1,500 people for a third of the money, then obviously your 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 focus is Wales, isn't it? Yeah, not, and then... I'm not saying it wouldn't be Wales anyway. I'm just saying I think you make a good point there that, that there's a lot less club-country conflict in Wales than anywhere else. Yeah, and it's just both a good thing and a bad thing, but when it comes to the Wales team, it means that when those boys pull that red jersey on and they run out in front of 70,000 people, you know... It's, you know, it's that instant six inches taller thing. You know, they are, it's something that they're not used to. They're not playing in front of packed houses. They're not playing in front of massive, massive crowds. Really, those, they said there were 275,000 people in town on, on Saturday <laughs> night, right? They don't go to watch club. They're not watching the region. Fuck no. No, nobody is. Nobody. And, and that's I mean, that, that's probably true in Twickenham as case. well. And so, I mean, there's bigger crowds yeah. in England, but the people who go to Twickenham are not going to watch... In the main, they're not going to go and watch Bristol at the weekend and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's. But um, well, yeah. But what they don't have, what, what the Wales team have a lot bigger percentage yeah. of the population than what the Wales team don't have domestically. A lot of them is experience of playing the big European ties. Yeah, I mean semi-finals and finals of the big cup. I know they've been in the Challenge Cup, but until you get to the big game, the you know. So I do think there's something about that. I do think there is something about. Oh, yeah, the... I heard a story the other day, which, being a Welshman, rang very true. I can't, I can't corroborate it. But when uh, I think it was when the game went open, so so around sort of ninety six, ninety seven, 
the head of the RFU and the head of the WIU at the time. I think they were both Welshmen. And they had a meeting in, I think it was in Gloucester or somewhere in the West Country. But, you know, how, how to go ahead with, with uh, the professional game. And the RFU offered Wales six slots in the league, in the top division, mm. uh, which is extremely generous at the time. Um, and the, the Welsh Rugby Union said, we want eight, we want eight slots. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll give you six, which is, you know, a lot more than, than you know, bond numbers than you should have. And they said, it's eight or nothing. That's absolutely bang on. And then, and then after that, what they did is the, the WIU then made them all sign loyalty agreements so they wouldn't fuck off to England. And that's why Cardiff and Swansea left the WIU leagues in 1998 and played friendlies against English teams. Yeah. And then when they came back on, there was then the chance to perhaps maybe go into an Anglo-Welsh league. And it and never happened. only got offered. But that it was the world's great. It was, it was probably one of the biggest missed opportunities in, a, in European it's, sport. You know, you sort of hope that period's gone, people learn from their mistakes, and the whole Reese Webb debacle, and this whole thing now with the regions, I just don't know. No. I, I don't know who runs the union. I don't, I don't think anybody knows who runs the Welsh Rugby Union. I'm sorry to drop this in, but I will, if you're not a Patreon person already, there is a Patreon episode on the Rebel season 1998, which talks about all of that stuff. Which is incredibly annoying and frustrating yes. and made me very cross because... Well, lots of 90s nostalgia, doing, you know, so we're still doing you win it. some, you lose some. We've got nothing. Nothing it is, Thank you. I can't take six teams back to Abercom Khan. They'll never have it. <laughs> Good news, boys. I offer the English boys eight teams of nothing and they got the nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but then the thing is, after the Rebel season, they they came back and they went, yeah, you can have two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And and two in the championship or what was N Division One, and he's so he's around that six, and it seemed to have been like Cardiff, Swansea, uh, Neath, Letley, Pontypridd, and Newport. Yeah, one other. Yeah, you know. So yeah, cross keys. Yeah, it's such a huge opportunity missed. But <laughs> right before we move off this game, because we well, we talked about the game a bit, but actually let's talk about Ireland a bit because what came first then? Wales playing well or Ireland playing shit? Um, I think... shit. They, they weren't. They're not the. It's amazing the difference in the team between last year and this year. Mm. Essentially, the same players. You know, who aren't much older. Um, yeah, they, they weren't on their game. I don't. I think. Uh, I think Sexton was a bit of a bust. I think he has been most of the season. But yeah, as is Murray scrub, actually. The, the yeah, the pair of them have the not been good. I was supposed to see a, 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 an Irish scrum that wasn't, you know, that, that that was as easily handled as that Irish scrum was on on Saturday by Wales. Well, that's the thing they got they got the shove on quite a lot, but it was very obvious that Kean Healy in particular the rest the rest did not, like, didn't like what he was doing. because because you know you you see, you see referees are quite often a bit loath to penalise uh, yeah. scrums, but he was. Seemed pretty switched on. But I then, think yeah. he's, he's kind of a bit of shit, Angus Gardner, but I think he was fairly consistent with everybody. Really everybody knew what he wanted. Honest. You might have disagreed mm. with what he wanted, but you yeah, knew what he wanted. He, yeah, that was the thing that surprised me, was that uh, someone as experienced as Kean Healy, after the second or third, you know, scrum that wasn't going Ireland's, you know, they got the shove on, or they were getting the wheel on, and he was pinging them for technical <laughs> infringement. It was yeah. obviously there's something he didn't like, and they didn't just didn't adapt. I just think, you look at... Joe Smith, uh, Joe Smith, sorry, decide announcing that he's leaving after the World Cup, and contrast that to the way that Gatland's leaving has sort of seems to almost have invigorated Wales, and it's almost sort of had the 
The players all seem like to, to, to speak like they owe Gatlin something. Yeah. You know that we owe well, him these incredible performances. You know, it's strange, isn't it? I think that's because they realise. It's only, it's only you strange know. when you compare it to, I mean, they may, you know, Island may feel like that about Schmidt and not being as demonstrative because the, the media's maybe not quite as the way it is in Wales, you know, they, they, they want the romanticism and the emotion. But yeah. it does seem to be quite interesting, the difference. Plus, Joe Smith's just a colder character, generally, I think. Yeah, I think the interesting you've got to remember what Wales was like in, before Gatlin came along. And, you know, we just gone out of the fucking World Cup in the group stages because we. Because you tried to play Fiji like we Fiji. Tried to, we tried to out Fiji Fiji because we were so goddamn stupid. And instantly, <laughs> within three, you know, three months later, we're winning a Grand Slam. I know. And that led Why did his of, first training uh, session? Why the fuck did you just throw that pass then? That won't be happening anymore. Said, yeah, that won't be fucking happening much. anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, just passing. Certainly the first couple of years of Gatlin. What position do you play, Jamie? Fullback? No, you fucking don't. No, you fucking don't, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got banging over the head with that, with that Warren ball tag, didn't he? But fucking yeah. it works. Well, this is his third team that he's built that have won a Grand Slam now. Because the 2008 one was Ryan Jones, Ian Goff, Stephen Jones, yeah. sort of that. And then you had the 2011 World Cup team, which was Warburton, Faletau, Lydiat, Rhys Priestland, um, Lee Halfpenny. And now there's this third team, which, you know, you have some constants. You know, Faletau and Alan Jones are still around. Halfpenny sort of on the fringes. But this is like a third team that he's made that so have weird. won a Grand Slam. And, they're, they're t- and they've all got slightly different... They're all united in being obviously ridiculously good at defending, but this team feels like a different kind of group in that they don't. They feel like they're genuinely. I think they're he, more he, together he, than they've ever been before. See, the the good thing the, about the Warren Ball thing is that it's it's a game plan that people can come into and understand, isn't it? Mm, it's not yeah. overly fussy, is it? So I suppose it is. You know, and that's that's not to do it down. That's to actually, if you're trying to build something that can well, be I replicated. Josh, I think Josh hit the nail on the head there, and it's, it sounds oversimplistic to say it. You know, in a professional sport, but I've never seen a, a Welsh team with that team spirit before no they seem like a real bunch of mates who just want to play for each other and the way they talk about alan win with his caps and with his personal achievement he said listen there's nothing to do with me and all the players got that in them this is nothing to do with me this is about the team there's nothing to do with me this is about the team you talk about warren he's like there's nothing to do with me this is about the team yeah that was notable at the end wasn't it he did say yeah well you know? all credit to the players first thing you said I think that you sort of touched on it there mike where you said you know there's no world you know individual best in the world at his position players in this Wales team, arguably, you know, there's a couple of players that are, you know, there are a lot of world-class players in that team, but yeah. there's nobody that you put your head, you know, head and shoulders, he's a Bowden Barrett or an Azofalau or whatever. But they're a team of sort of unspec, like they're a team. They're not sort of... Council of State strength. Well, yeah. Runs through the whole thing. They're a team that plays, they're a team that is greater than the sum of their parts. Oh, and yeah. that's something that Gatlin's always very, very well, you know, he's he's always done that so well, and he's done it on Lions tours, and he's done it with Wales, and but this sort of feels like the best of the lot because there's so many unheralded players in that team. And this is not, I'm not going to do a, a Welshman thing and, and bash England, right? But I think that's something they really lack. I think, you know, I don't think, like shit that Joe Marler was saying in, in the bloody Daily Fail like two days before the game, you wouldn't. That wouldn't have flown in the Welsh squad because Alan, or one of the boys, would have pulled you and said, "What are you doing? You know, you don't, you don't, you don't drop us in the shit like that because that that's making us that's making a rod for our backs." You, they seem to be a really tight team 
on and off. I don't. They might hate each other, but it doesn't come across. <laughs> that. It certainly doesn't come across that they way. They seem no. really. They seem tight on and off the field, and I said, and, and the coaches seem tight. And I, I don't get that feeling when I see, you know, you mentioned Chris Ashton you know, when he's in the squad. I, I don't think Ashton's one of the boys. I don't think Eddie Jones is one of the boys. There doesn't seem to be. I don't see how Eddie Jones is, Eddie Jones inspires loyalty when he quite obviously no. is not loyal in public to his players. He's like he was after the game. I mean, to come out of bases, I was still mentally fragile. Even if you think that, don't fucking you wouldn't say, say exactly. would you? That's the 100. thing. Because he's just trying to deflect it from himself. Because he's, 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 got, he's got a record of starting well at sides mm. and tailing off. Right, and, and how is he not saying? And I don't, and I, and I fucked this up because I've not managed to fix this. Yeah, but he doesn't say I've that, had, does he? I've literally had because I've had three, I've had nearly four years, and I still haven't fixed it. It's like the fucking Tories still blaming Labour for how, why the country's fucked. It's like, <laughs> yeah. guys, you've been here for ten years now. Yeah. You should have sorted it out. <laughs> it's it's that level of sort of you got to front up. You got to front up, and when you drop a bollock, you got to say it, and uh, otherwise you get found out pretty quick. And I think Eddie Jones trying to play a mind game with Gallon, which makes me laugh because I think what someone else Warren does, he just seems to be the master of the psychology. You know what I mean? And I think he like genuinely every- doesn't care. I think all of it doesn't, none of it affects him either. Well, because he was just just, just on the field, you know. And, and the, but there's the little, the little aside. You sort of reference Eddie Jones. Um, the, I did thing. enjoy his his little reference to not being a t- like he can't help. Did he say we didn't look too the- tired? Did we? we didn't look yeah. too tired? Did we? Yeah, it's well, like he doesn't let it affect him before the game, but afterwards there will always be a very thing subtle is, thing. as an English person, I enjoy that. I don't know. I watch it go, I don't know what you're trying to achieve here, Eddie. Other than giving yourself a few headlines, is he trying to take the attention away from the players? It's, it's, but you can do a, that without saying stuff that pisses the opposition off. It's a real... Um, I'm not slagging out Americans, but it sounds like it. My sister's a married one, and I spend a lot of time over there, and they're nice people, but it's like an American thing to talk about how good you are, right? And it's not... This is a, there's a really fine line, right? So when when Gallen says if we beat France, I think there's a chance we'll, we'll we can win a Grand Slam, right? And then they go out and do it, and, and that's one thing. You, people could say that was arrogant, but it didn't come across as that, right? When you're there beating your chest and you're slagging other people out and you're and you're worrying about other teams, like Gallen said, uh, they were asking him. Eddie Jones said something about um, it, the before before the game, about the, before the Ireland game. Warren just said, why didn't he concentrate on the Scotland game, right? You know that that's that literally that's like that's nothing to do with him. Just do your job. You know that that sort of when he's when he's having a pop at Wales, or having a pop at uh, Ireland, or having a pop at you know anybody, it, it just doesn't come across well. When when Joe Marler comes out on the mail and says that you know the only uh, English, the only uh, lads that English actually play for Scotland are only playing for them because they can't play for England. They're not good enough, right? Well, don't you think that's going to be seen by all the Scotland squad? You know, when you're slagging out the Scots before a game, it's not going to end well, is it? Why would you do? I don't understand where that comes from. And especially somebody like Gatland, who's well known for his ability to basically take things that they're that said and and turn it into bulletin board material, effectively. And the vast you know, majority, I'm sure, the vast majority. Just want to say about a team, the vast majority of, of the England team are, are, are good blokes. You know. Yeah. Hard and they're probably head in hands when who you, he's... Who you, who you would love to spend a night with on the beer, talking about rugby, right? They must look at people like fucking Marler and Haskell, God bless him, back in the day, and Austin Healy back in the day, and go, shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> Why is no one saying that to him? This is what I mean. 
I, in the Welsh team, I don't see you getting away with that shit. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I think there's a certain, it's a certain sort of, you know, there's it's not totally oh, true speak, anymore. But there's speak, a sort of like Austin Healy, you know. I just speak my mind, just say it like it is. Well, fucking don't, mate. Wind your neck <laughs> until after the game, and then say it like it is. I think some players feel like there's a certain sort of expectation that comes with being an England player, and that sort of means confidence and having a bit of swagger about you. But like until you've sort of backed it up. With a grand it doesn't slam. really, it doesn't really ring that true, and I think that well, we did in twenty sixteen. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, and then yeah. You, by all means, bang on about it. <laughs> when you want the World Cup and you're still on the top of the on the on the, on the top of the bus with the gold, gold with the World Cup in your hands, fair play to you. You know what I mean? You can't take that away from the England team. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. <laughs> Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Pick up your phone while driving and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Speaking yeah, of taking thought... things away from the England team, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, was, that was a 31 point lead sound. It's, that was staggering, mate, honestly. I was, how many, honestly, how many people start watching after about 35 me, minutes? I, I just I put my hand up, I did. Yeah. I was like, well, I actually had to give my daughter a lift somewhere. I thought, I'll, I said, no, I'll yeah. do it now because this is just stupid, this game. Yeah, I've got loads of packing to do, so I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to watch England run fucking 60 points up on these bast- poor bastards again. I had on the phone, we came out of the stadium, it was, it was dry inside the stadium, and it was pissing down outside, we got, we got soaked. And all the pubs were queuing up around the block, so we, we my wife and I kept walking until we found a pub that was open. I had the score on my phone thing, 31. No, this is going to be 60 pointer. This is embarrassing. We get to the pub, and it was sort of on, but no one was watching it because everyone was a bit pissed off. All the Irish boys and the Welsh boys in there. <laughs> and then it was like, suddenly, I looked up and it was like, hang on a minute, they're like a try down. Then they were, then they were, then it was drawing. I said, fuck, I don't believe this. And then the whole pub was just like, just staring at <laughs> Then they went up like 38, 31. I was like, oh, fuck, man, this is the best comeback I've ever seen. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> well, then England scored right at the end, but, um, you know. It probably deserved a draw because it was a proper game of two hours. But, I mean, I've never seen a comeback like that. I think it was. Um, I, I was look, thinking about other big comebacks. You had Ireland were 19-0 up against New Zealand when they lost in 2013, was it? Mm. When New Zealand came back and won with that retake. New Zealand. Retaking, yeah. retaking kick by Cruden and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wales-Scotland 2010. Scotland were 21-9 up at one point, I think. Oh, that was that game. That's cried my fucking. Yeah, and the thing is with that game is that it. Um, I think people think it was a bigger combat than it was because Wales scored two tries in the last, yeah, like one in the seventy eighth <laughs> minute and one in injury time, didn't they? Yeah. So I think it seems that like that was a, more of a mega comeback than it actually was score wise. I mean, it was a mega comeback, but it didn't, it didn't, you didn't reel them in from thirty points out. So I think no. this was absolutely incredible. Eddie right. Jones has come out and talked about this mental fragility shit. Well, I'm not saying they're not. They've got something to do 2015. So obviously, it's Stu Lancaster's fault again. The thing is, I don't think it was a mental fragility thing. Actually, I think England had got to the point. I I tweeted on 29 minutes when 
Um, Henry Slade had done that out the back of the hand pass to May, yeah. which he didn't have to do. He could have just passed it, you know, he could have popped it normally, but he chose to do it that way. Well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and basically, I said, this is frightening now because England has started to take the piss. Um, yeah. And I don't think that was a mental fragility thing. I think what they did, they started to cock about after half an hour because they genuinely believed that was the way the game was going to keep going. Yeah, and then when it didn't, they didn't know how to pull it back, and that's a little bit different to crumbling under pressure or something. I think. Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with like Eckers of 2015. I think Eddie's a very Eddie's a very good coach at getting. 2015 was a really tight game. You know, this wasn't this wasn't this. Eddie's very good at getting an, you know, particularly this England team to believe their own hype, and that's not a bad thing because when this England group plays with self belief, they're very very good. Clearly. The problem is that it's the other side of Eddie's character that also reflects it, where I think he underestimates his opposition a little bit too much. And he's sort of he's sort of like, Oh, this is gonna be our best performance of of the Six Nations. Well, yeah, for forty minutes it absolutely fucking was. But the problem is that you sort of drilled it into him so much that this was gonna be easy, this Scotland team were no fucking and you know, what did he say at half time? Did he say this? This lot are fucking done. Go out there and enjoy yourself. Well, this is the thing, right? When, it, with the exception of Italy, who were unlucky on Saturday, granted, right? But with the, mm. with the exception of Italy, there's no one that's that much better than anybody else, right? Mm. Like when Wales played uh, Scotland the game before, right? We did the same thing. Halftime came off thinking we got these now. Two two scores up, Wales were. Took the foot off the gas, and Scotland came straight back into the game because I mean, you can't. If you're not teaching, if you're not treating your opposition with 100% respect in this at that level, you know you'll find out pretty quickly that the, the margins are really small. Even when the score lines flatter one team, right? There's very rarely that it's an absolute cakewalk, right? There might be three or four tries, but they'll be only just scored tries, right? A lot mm. of the time. So if England go out there halftime, three-one nil up, thinking we got these now, we got these scots on the right take the foot off the gas, it's going to end badly. Not badly, but, I mean, you're going to end up in a fucking dogfight pretty quick. Well, I, still well, think, I still think, to be fair, I still think there's more <clears throat> in the positive column for England coming out of this championship than, than not. From they my point of view, you know, they, 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 played, they, they, they put some, they you know, those those early scores that we kept racking up was showed some phase play, which you've not seen you know for what a while. Biggest, you know? uh, as an outsider, um, I'm, I'm not sure how well this will go down, I do. I think that England team is a is a good team with a good squad, and they got some they got some really really high quality players there. I think, and again, we'll we'll, we'll keep it simple. I think Farrell, as a leader on that park, is is a bad thing for England. Right? I think his attitude's wrong. I think I think his his demeanour's wrong. I think he loses his cool. I think he was lucky to stay on again on Saturday, and that's happened yeah. more than one occasion. He's not the man you need. In charge of your team in, in, a, in a pressure game. Well, I think it's 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 something that's that's been an issue for a while now. Is England do have this leadership problem? Like, you know, what was going on in that England huddle after Scotland had scored three tries? Why wasn't like who was? I assume Farrell was telling them to fucking get. Farrell was saying, "My dad's gonna bloody kill me." <laughs> <laughs> but like we've spoken a lot on this pod about how you know since Eddie James took over, it seemed like the only person that he could trust as an England captain was Dylan Hartley. He was, you know, demonstrably no longer effective as an international hooker. But even then, but, he was a liability too, though, Josh. He was, he was but he was he was much better, you know, since 
Eddie it's only in his on. absence we've realised what his value was. Yeah. I think you can say his that. His value was he could actually... It was a qualified value. It was a qualified value, but it, there's some value there. Yeah. He can't... Farrell can't I don't know who the leaders are. When it goes wrong. I don't know who... No, the, and, and, and if you look at the people who should be leaders, Farrell, Launchbury... Youngs. Youngs. They're the same as the... They are the same group that's been around for about three years, and I don't know what... I think Farrell being a captain's a bad idea. For his own sake, it's just too... I think an outside half being a captain's a bad idea, full stop, actually. Mm. You're not near enough to the stuff. You can't get, in forwards, you can't get among the forwards enough. Get a Corny Laws or something like that in charge. Of him. Get him too, you, you, can't, you can't have a mute as your captain. It's not a, it's not a dumb <laughs> thing. It's Sam Warburton, did it? <laughs> yeah, Yes. Well, just give it to a Todger and be done with it. I think there, is, there does have to be some... And it's, and it's not even about who the captain like the soldier, is. Yeah, that's a good show. There's, it probably is the most outstanding candidate, I suppose, but... It's not. It's. I know it's, it's easy to compare. It's 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 unfair to compare to Alan Wynn because he's a generational talent. Mm. But, but before that, there was Warburton, who was a Wynn. different kind of player. And there's yeah. you know there, there are. And other... it's not just Alan Wynn. Alan Wynn is not the only. No. Like well, Alan Wynn is the man who is the Wales captain. But you yeah. look at that Wales team, and you've got Ken Owens, Ken Owens you've got yeah. John Davis, you've got Hadley Parks, you know, you've got Dan Bigger. You've got even, you know, somebody who's a different kind of leader, but, you know, you've got Justin Tipperich as well. You know, these players are a strong core of experienced players who lead in their... And they lead in areas of the field that they're involved in. You know, they don't... They might not be the person pointing to the post or pointing to the corner or having a chat with the ref. I don't think there's but many... leadership is everywhere, you know? It's not just the man. <coughs> I don't think there's many sports where where that captain's role is as important as it is in rugby union, right? You think of that you think of that England well, that World Cup winning team, how much that was down to Johnson's leadership? And the answer is a lot of it, right? Because he was a fantastic leader, right? When you read his biography, you you get an under I, I got an understanding of not just the World Cup, the two years running up to it, when mm-hmm. things weren't quite going right, the type of things that he would do in games. Were yeah. you know, and not even anything particularly fucking groundbreaking. He just pull him in and go. This is nothing to worry about. We know what we're doing. This is what we do. We do two yeah. sets from here, and everybody fucking calms down, and we go now, sort of thing. And you know, and even when you're down to thirteen men in fucking New Zealand, you just you know, it sounds <laughs> stupid to. What did you say to yeah. him? He said, "I told him to fucking push." And it's like you know, and it is like and it, you know when you had a scrum and you were down to five, you know, six in the scrum. What did you say? I said, I said, I said fucking push. And it sounds like a stupid thing, and it's like, but actually, yeah, there is something about this. Is no big deal, lads. Just fucking push. Well, it's just you cutting know. through all of the bullshit, isn't it? And this, you know, there's so much going on on a rugby field. You need a captain to be somebody that can cut through all of that and just remind them that rugby is fundamentally quite a straightforward game. You fucking hit the bloke in front of you. And you or can't you lose your rag, you know. I was, you know I'm, it sounds daft me saying it, but I mean, you, you can't... <laughs> as soon as you've lost your rag, you've lost it now, haven't you? I mean, you, yeah. when, when you, if, if it's a bit of a... Um, we're eulogising my Alan Wynn today, unlucky. But when it's kicking <laughs> off, he's not the bloke in there throwing the cheap shots and swearing at people. and He's the bloke in there no. grabbing his own players, getting them out of the way, talking to the referee. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's that lovely one after the England game when he's just... Uh, who's the... Um, Who's the uh, England Sinclair. Sinclair? Just that big shit-eating grin. He's got him at arm's length. <laughs> I think, God, that is such a good photograph, right? And they made stuff for the game and shook hands and everything else. I know that, but just that coolness and that 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 real presence that he's got on the field. That's what England lack. They, they lack someone with real presence and leadership. 
They got great. They got some great players, but they really lack that 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 leader, don't they? I think. Yeah. And I think the it's problem is when you give... when, when the leadership is so questionable in I can't speak for in private, but in public, when Eddie Jones's leadership is so questionable in public, mm. I don't know how you fix it internally because why he's not coming out at the end of that game and going. A bit like what I just said, really. Not that I can think I can do his fucking job, but saying we're still in the positive for this fucking championship. We've not got that much to worry about. It's nearly there. The lads did everything. There were a couple of decisions that we need to work on, and let's go. You know, well, he's done. He's done a Mourinho, mate. You know, it's the next. They got these sort of pointless bloody summer internationals, and then it means the World Cup, right? So that same squad of players that he's got to face now when he's gone out there and told the whole nation that they're mentally fragile. They're the blokes you want to. It's not good, is it? Put their balls on the line for you in the World Cup. And imagine yeah. what the huddle of the opposition is going to be. These fuckers are mentally fragile. Yeah. Their own coach thinks so. That. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking There's times and places, isn't there? You know it, feels, it feels like we've been talking a lot more about coaches than we have about players in this one. But I yeah, feel like yeah. it's... Is Gregor Townsend actually a good <laughs> coach? Well, given that it seems that Scotland played one well in the second half because Russell has come out and basically said, I just Same. ignored what he told me to do. Yeah, and I said, well, we're just going to do what we want to do because he was telling us to kick the leather off it and it clearly wasn't working. So I, we just decided to do what we wanted to do. Well, that's, that's not what the field, isn't it? That's what... Yeah, and not to be fair to Finn Russell, that's showing a level of maturity Is and there... leadership that he didn't have in the past. But it's like, fucking hell, it's not good when you have such a dramatic turnaround and it doesn't seem like it really came from anything you did but from your team actively ignoring what you yeah. were telling them to do that's the, that's the World Cup story with Johnson isn't it apparently yeah. when Woodward came out and he went fuck off there's got nothing to do with you <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, but in a why way I, su- I suppose why is he on telly who's that like, Woodward Lord Bald fuck no he played the substitutions on it right do you see this I did see this. So they basically capitulated. Uh, <laughs> he brought subs on after that. Yeah, they'd already then, scored three tries. Then they brought subs on. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, so, the, the first sub came on at sixty-two minutes. So he said, well, "Italy used to be a better team." He said, "No, they've won twelve games in twenty years. The shit. They've always been yeah. shit. <laughs> They're on a slightly worse run now than they have been previously." Anyway, um, yeah. what was the part I was going to make then? Oh, Scotland. Finn Russell. Is there anybody though to come back to players? Finn Russell making that decision. Is there anybody? who just looks more lovely in full flow than Russell. Just every pass is just like millimetre perfect measured. Perfect height, speed, everything. If that's not what you want to watch a bit of rugby for. And he said about being a simple game, and it is, you know what I mean? You you can see a break from the first pass, because that first pass, and we mentioned it before, you haven't got to check your speed, you you want to... You know, it's just that perfectly weighted pass in exactly the right place. That pass to Maitland, the sort of yes. off his wrong hand, 20 metre, hit him in stride. I mean, he makes the, he does that all the time. And, and he does it through it, traffic, doesn't he? It's not like he's throwing yeah. into an open pasture. It is kind of, no, no I'm going to mm. weave this in between these three ends it's, and it'll get it's to remarkable you. Stuff. And obviously the eyes for the, um, the final try was just... And that filthy. finish by Sam Johnson, man. Yes. Oh! Um, <laughs> it did say a lot about the, you know, England's cover defense. To be honest, the whole game said a lot about England's cover defense. Because what were Daily Noel and May doing at all times? Positioning coaches, but like I said, I mentioned it on the, on the top of the, the pod. There, they look knackered, man. They, and they got some big units, right? Mm. 
and they keep going about size of two and arguing the size of this person, the size of that person. I don't give a fuck how big they are, right? Because they just looked out on their ass the last 15 minutes. Such big, strong men. But there has to be a balance. There has to be, in modern rugby, a balance, right? You can't just be a, a gym bunny, right? There's more to rugby than that. But let's not think, like that England cover defence, they are three incredibly quick blokes. And they let a hooker run... I know it was an intercept. But they let a hooker run one in from that hooker's own 10-metre line. <laughs> that should never, ever happen at test level. And that line I don't is, care if he's He's got fairly a, nippy in McAnally, but he's yeah. He's nippy, but seriously, Elliot Daly should not be getting out... I know you've got a turn on your heels, but that was, was over about May, 70 metres. Yeah, it was May, actually, yeah. Even less he's, excuse. That's why I'm a lot of people say it was a fix. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't I don't care if he's got a, like a 5 metre 10 metre head start on you you've got 70 metres to catch up with him just fucking I couldn't believe it the Scotland um, went 1,000 to 1 at half time yeah well, in terms of metres run in that game England ran 674 in total and Scotland did nearly 500 it was a cracking game to watch it was a great <laughs> well yeah it was a Insane. And England game. still had seventy percent of territory. Bizarre. Yeah. It's it, it's a it was a game that will live long in making not a lot of sense. A lot of people are talking about the fact that England missed like basically thirty. It only made seventy percent of the tackles. But I think there is something about. Is it a missed tackle? Or have you just been diddled? And I think a yeah. number of times you were diddled. You know, tiredness, mate. Tiredness. It just yeah, you you're know. tired and you've been diddled. You know, it's it's yeah. it's fine. Vince you know. Lombardi said fatigue makes cowards of us all. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you can't make the tackle as simple as that but it's not a missed tackle if you just get absolutely done no it's like you, you're never going to make it anyway and it's interesting yeah. to say about you know what England used to always say oh we'll learn something from this every time we didn't win a grand slam in between 98 and 2003 it'll be interesting to see from a Scotland point of view your point about Gregor I think if Gregor Townsend is a very good coach if he is a good coach he has to learn something from this yeah about what Decisions he lets his players make and what and stuff like that. Arguably, yeah. what they did, if they can do what they did in that second half for sixty-five minutes of most games, it's going to be a problem. They, playing. they play like a this. real they problem play... playing them. Yeah, and given that like they were that. playing with you know what they're about the seventeenth iteration of their squad. <laughs> so. Yeah, and this is the thing that it does. Even if they can play like they played for forty minutes, like they did. The problem is they can't play like they played for the first 40. But if they just play like average... And there's been more of that than the second yeah. 40, hasn't there? If you think about the entire France game, give, where they were just fucking battered... Head start, you're going to struggle, yeah. you? That okay. France team is... Well, we'll come on to that in a minute. Oh, I've just knotted my microphone. We need a microphone! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if they, yeah, if they, if they just played like below averagely for 40 minutes and then played like that in the second half, they'd win most games. But they're... They're going from playing absolutely fucking dreadfully to playing fucking wonderfully. And there's got to be a middle point there where they're just all right, surely. We've said about Towns about, you know, what can he do at half time? Or whether he did anything at half time. If this is what, if, if you're, if it's as simple as, as, as players on the pitch thinking, hang on a minute, we're not doing that, we're not going to kick the leather off the ball, we're going we're gonna to run it from everywhere. Why didn't they do that? 15 minutes into the game and not wait until half-time. To... Yeah, when they were already 20-odd points down. It's an interesting question about when players are allowed to go, oh, fuck this. 
But I did because I, yeah. I imagine there's no way that Finn Russell wasn't after 20 minutes going. I don't want to keep playing like this. Exactly. No. Yeah. But uh, but this actually, but uh, this is how we're supposed to play. And you have to give the respect to the coach and play the way he wants you to play. And then actually, say when you're 31 seven down at half time, you think, well, whatever you said, fuck it. I'm just doing this yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's interesting to know, and it's I suppose where does Townsend go with it from now? Does Russell yeah. get to set the tone a bit more? Does he give it a kind of QB he type thing? Should. Call some more yeah. audibles, you know, do what you yeah, mean. He's one of the most creative tens on the planet. Like, take the straight jacket off. When he plays well, he's the best ten in Europe, I would say. Yeah. When he's playing constantly. well, talent-wise as well. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. he's physically okay as well. He looks like... Is that, he doesn't look like he should be. His arms no, look like he's, he's in a... desperate need to eat about four tubs of peanut butter a day. <laughs> but he's uh, he, he does... He's, he's you know what? Bad. Did I mention it before? I, I, sort of, I did a bit of filming and we got... We sort of sang the Welsh team off the bus before the South Africa game. Jonathan Davis's arms. <laughs> All of Jonathan Davis. <laughs> I said at the time, I said, Christ, I said, he's got, his arms are bigger than his legs, and he's got big legs. <laughs> what a unit he is. He's a big lad. What a defence. What a defender. I watched his tackling. I watched at one point on Saturday, he made three tackles in a row, but they were all fringe of the ruck. Big lads taking it. It wasn't like he was hitting. You know, he was he was taking the big fellas down. Bang, bang, bang. It's the speed at which he gets back onto his feet that That's crazy. astonishes me, and yeah, the fact that he can just get back up and make another tackle. I bet his tackle, uh, analysis tape is late night viewing for Sean Edwards. <laughs> sure, well, yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> Sean Edwards. Like a popcorn, clean that. Yeah, you yeah. go to bed, you love. I'll be down here watching my videos. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, so um. So that's that. So let's talk about Italy versus France, shall we, to finish this off. Oh, we have a thing a on here, Mike. I remember what we call FIDIM, which stands for Fuck It, I'll Do It Myself, which, which Sergio Paris basically invented. Yeah. Uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter on the day, and I can't, I can't find a tweet now, but I do remember it, so I'm sorry if I, I can't remember it. He did so much FIDIM at the weekend, Paris, that he taped up his own injury when the physio came on. Did you see that? He grabbed the tape and actually taped up his own injury. He's like, yeah, because he just does fucking everything, doesn't he? I mean, it was a Bless sort him. of perfect last Six Nations game for Sergio, really, wasn't it? It was a the... crackingly ramshackle game, this. Yeah. It was very entertaining while being, where... at the same time, completely crap, yeah. really. He could not trust a single thing that anyone else wearing <laughs> a fucking white and green and he red shirt doing. Be, that kit looked like a tub of Gino Ginelli <laughs> from the 90s. I love that It's a good one this year. They're yeah. always good. Lovely they're fantastic they're stuff. Around, they? They're just so fucking frustrating though, aren't they? They should have won that game by 20 points. Easy. Well, the three tries went begging. Yeah. Well, how the many times were, in, were, the they in that, were they in well, that, that top left corner of the field? How many times did they find us there kicking for the corner? Yeah. And then, of it course, was... obviously, Conor O'Shea came in at half-time and just said, lads, I've got one thing to say. Take the fucking points and I'm going to kill all of you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> sort of thing. And then, of course, they started doing that and then Tommy Allen's incredible gyroscopic boots came into play and he started shanking them all over the place. Oh, but that, that, that kicking... Well, basically, remember when Wales just used to do that? Send wave after wave of men at the, oh, at yeah. the, at the line until, until eventually your opposition got given a penalty. penalty. That was yeah, basically yeah. what yeah. Italy did on... On Saturday, remind me of that uh, Simpsons episode where Homer keeps grabbing that lamp that electrocutes him. Remember? Ow, ow, <laughs> ow, ow. 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 <laughs> so it, was, it was like seriously. <laughs> and that you poor bugger he nearly scored. He was fucking beaming, wasn't he? Oh, <laughs> just put transfer it, mate. Transfer Don't it they in both your, do something. Arm. Yeah. Fair do Sapeno. He's probably been one of the 
bright shining lights of France, actually. Well, it, it again, demonstrates, you know, last one, this is one of the worst France teams that's ever taken the field. I can't, remember, not I can't remember a worse They're French a disgrace. Team. But, I can't remember a worse French team. Like, even though they've not been very good, just for the sake of fucking consistency, they need to stick with DuPont and, and Tamak now because they both look like they might be all right. Yeah. I mean, DuPont absolutely shat himself with his clothes on in the island game, but... It was like he was doing an expressive dance version of a nervous breakdown <laughs> in that frack, in that, in but, that island game. I mean, what's the alternative? They just go back to a sort of Saint-André-esque swapping fly-offs and nines for fun. Well, if you don't if you don't play Antimac, you have to play Lopez. Yeah. Who is not to put too fine a point on it, a fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> or you just recall Francois Tranduc again. Because yeah, he not? must be due a recall. <laughs> he's had another. Has he gone to Montpellier or something ridiculous like uh, that? I think he's going to Racing, actually. Brilliant. Yeah. Still getting away with That's, it. Well, I can't believe the French pack. I, I, you know what I mean? That was always. There were very few guarantees in rugby, but the fact there'd be a big, horrible, mean French pack was pretty much a guarantee, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're pretty big. They just don't seem to be that menacing. I like, no, I like Lombe, the big real, ginger lad. There's no real bastards there. There's no Benazis there. There's, there's no people no. there. That... Iteria's quite a bastard, but they dropped him. Who I, yeah. I think he's one of their best players. It but, doesn't uh, make any sense, does it? None of it makes sense. Well, they were quite menacing against Scotland, and they were quite menacing in the first half against Wales. Everyone forgets it was all going very well until half-time against Wales the first <laughs> well, weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and short. then they committed Harry Carey, and it's just never, ever gone better. Like... Uge played well, which it? It pains me to say it. Yeah, he's such he's an awful cunt, bastard. Lauren Nugget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard that's... to know. I mean, the thing is with France, when I mean, they're in England's group, aren't they, in the World Cup? And it, you, you, you never know which fans are going to turn up. Yes, you do, actually, because they've been shit for it's about four one. years. So one. you do know what's going to turn Always up. Always the shit one. They haven't got any time to get this sorted. They don't have a massive player pool in key positions to pick from. The ones who might come in aren't that good either. Ireland's well, the same. You've got to worry about it. You know, I don't think it's anything's as terrible as it, as it seems or nothing's as good as it seems right now either. But mm. um, I'd be worried if I was out about how you pull this back over... You know, these sound sort of like ner- these kindergarten games in the summer, really, as you head towards the World Cup. Well, it's a little bit and worrying France are the because same. they've got to... They're going to play Wales twice, right? And so, you know, there's, there's an argument that that'll enable them to maybe get a bit of pride back and put some things right. But the worrying thing for me if I was an Ireland fan would be, you know, the guy who's going to be replacing Joe Schmidt in six months is already in the fucking room. Like... Andy Farrell is sitting there presiding over this whole thing fucking going south. And and I just think if he's part of this sort of coaching team that has allowed them to become slightly stale and moribund, how is him just sort of stepping up to the top role really going to help that? Well, like, this is why... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Mention the Sean Edwards thing at the top there, right? Why? I mean, obviously they've named the replacement now, but at no point was was he, or not to my knowledge anyway, on a short list to be the head coach. And I think we don't score a lot of points, we don't score a lot of tries, but what we do is we're really, really good in defence, right? And at no point does someone think, well, let's give Sean the head coach job, let's get him an attack coach, and let's get him a positional coach and a kicking <laughs> coach. 
but Sean can run the show as a, you know, he's obviously a good man. He's obviously a, a good leader of blokes. He's, he's obviously an, an amazing, what they would call, I suppose, in the NFL, a defensive coordinator, right? Mm. Why not make him the head coach? He's interested, isn't he? Because... And he's done it before, unlike Farrell, he has done it before. Yeah, yeah, he's he's had success at Wasps, where the the odds on is that if the RFU don't sign him up to be their new defence coach, he'll be going back to Wasps. The assumption was that they wanted somebody Welsh next, wasn't it? But then, of course, that's been blown out of the water. Or was it somebody from within Wales? He is within Wales, what am I talking about? I think they wanted to prove that the, the pathway was working, inverted commas. And Wayne Pivak, you know, is a very good coach, and I think they wanted something different because let's not forget this before when Pivot was signed, you know, was confirmed was last year sometime, like mid last year, you know, Wales were not brilliant at that point. And there was a, a sort of a lot of appetite and a lot of and enthusiasm Scarlet's for were, Wales. And a lot of people were very were playing, excited about him and Stephen Scarlet's Jones. were playing porno yeah. rugby. And there was a sense that, you know, the Welsh... The WRU felt that the Welsh public wanted Wales to play in a more adventurous and exciting and inverted commas traditionally Welsh way. The reality is, of course, that what Wales the Welsh public wants the Wales team to do is fucking win. Win games. Yeah. And yeah, I did part of me is looking at the post Gatland landscape and thinking, is this as good as it's gonna get? Like he's gonna be a very, very tough act to follow. And if they can generally think about Farrell taking over as you know as a head coach and just bringing a team around him, well then Sean Edwards is much better at his job than Farrell is at his job, and Sean Edwards has coached before. Well, he's certainly but... been better over a longer period of time. Mm. Yeah, strange. I don't know. Just and don't forget that Farrell was let go by England in 2015 because it wasn't quite working in theory. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Funny how things change, and you know that Edwards has put him out, himself out there for England before and been. You know, when his contract was up with Wales a couple of years ago and there was talk that they weren't going to renew it and obviously they did in the end. But, I think you know, he was putting himself in the shop window for England and England, by all accounts, weren't really interested. It's crazy. And they tried one Eddie northern Jones, manager, they're not doing it again. <laughs> but obviously, Eddie Jones has brought John Mitchell in and, you know, England have defended very well in this tournament and quite inventively at times. So, yeah, I just... I think with Sean, there's a bit of an always a bridesmaid thing. And I think that's perhaps why it's he went It's difficult back the longer you've been in that position, isn't it? Yeah. He's that people start to think, oh, well, could he have... It's the, yeah. it's the Carlos Quiroz sort of thing, isn't it? Steve you're McLaren. Steve McLaren. It's If you're typecast as the number two, it's very hard to take. That's probably why he, went, he wanted to go back to rugby league, because he doesn't have that sort of baggage there. And I get a hero's welcome, and anyone give him a head coach but, job. Yeah, but now he's one of the most highly touted champions in Britain. Except Wigan, yeah. He can't even be bothered to turn his phone calls. <laughs> right then, he shall wondered. we have a quick yes. talk about the team at what we think our team of the tournament might be? Yes. <coughs> um, which Where do we want to start? Forwards or backs? Uh, should we go 15 to 1? Because that's how I've written it down. Okay. Well, they did win the Grand Slam. That seems fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, well, fullback Liam Williams. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, wing Johnny May. Uh, I had Josh Adams. I've but... got Adams on the other wing. Okay, yeah, I've also cheated, but uh, I didn't cheat. Yeah. Well, I've you picked you know, four wingers or something. Johnny May is also is a technically a, a Adams and right May. winger, but. So the two yeah. wingers then, Adams and yeah. May, I've got. Who have you got? 
I've gone Adams and Darcy Graham because I just love. I him. had Darcy Graham sort of in brackets. Yeah, I've got Johnny May in brackets because he's been excellent. To be fair, but the, yeah, I'd Graham say. has that something else, doesn't he? I got Adams just Johnny May. You had Adams yeah. and Johnny May, right? I like Graham because he, he's a throwback to you know five foot nine, eleven and a half stone, and just shit off a shovel fast. I love that. Deceptively yeah. strong, as people keep yeah. pointing out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, centres. Yeah. Hadley Parks. I, I went like, Manu. Did you really? Because oh. I think he's been he's done enough. And Hadley Parks was obviously brilliant against Scotland and Ireland. I mean, it was pretty fucking average. He was paying for the first two games, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, on the whole, I thought Manu played quite well, very well in the well, tournament. You're thinking both centres here. Is it just outside? Yeah. Oh, then I was going to say John and Davis and Hadley Parks. Yeah, I went Manu and uh, JD2. But I'd say honourable mention for Henry Slade. And yeah, Gary. I had bracket Henry Slade because, in a way, it was his first. Was this a coming of age year for him? Sounds daft. He's not that young, but you know, it absolutely was. It's the first time he looked like a Test player, really. I still think there's something to be said for going back to Ford, Farrell, Slade. Because well, when England played their best in the past three years, it's been with Ford and Farrell at ten and twelve. It's very true. And there's it's no as much as Manu's a big unit. I'm, I don't know. Anyway, it's more than being a big unit. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's I know, have him on the bench, maybe. I'm not so he's sure. Also a big, he's yeah. a big unit who likes to take people's heads off with. Oh, God, yeah, you see that. Arms. Yeah, that was bad. He took Sam Johnson's head off. Right then, mm. half backs. Yeah. I've got Gareth Anscombe. Uh, I went Finn Russell, but yeah, uh, Anscombe in brackets. I think Anscombe's quietly done think... a very good job. He's, he's I a load of. I agree. I got bigger there. Uh, yeah, I suppose well, he's played like half the time there as well, hasn't he? Yeah, it's just. It... It's not been a brilliant tournament for halfbacks, I don't think. As I struggle to name a scrum half because they've all been shit. It's been an absolutely yeah. like if Dupont hadn't had that one game where he absolutely shat himself, he would have been yeah. a shoe in, I reckon. But he did. Youngs has had moments. Island game, he was great, but he's been I went, like Ben Youngs again. Yeah, Gareth Davis Youngs. doesn't have a brain, bless him. <laughs> yeah, and and only played for the last no two comment. games. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be honest with you, Greg Laidlaw's been pretty good. But and then I, he was yeah. shit against Ireland. He was really shit against Ireland. So, yeah, it's been so a I'm, terrible. pick any one of them. looks like a shadow of his former self. It's, it's a, yeah. like, Nobody's had five games of playing well, have they? We just leave that leave blank. Leave that blank. We're not picking yeah. a scrum half. <laughs> Maro Bergamasco's playing scrum half. <laughs> Get Parisi in there. He'll do a job. He'll do Rob Evans looked like he played nine better than most of the other nines. Rob Evans plays centre better than most people. He runs angles and everything. He's amazing. Speaking of which, front row, Rob Evans, Kyle Sinclair. Yeah. Uh, I had McAnally at hooker. I thought he was all right. He's all right. I went, I was torn between Ken and Jamie George and I didn't want to seem like I was going too Welsh, so I went Jamie George, but in my heart it was Ken. Yeah, plus, do you remember the Welsh line-out? Do you remember what it's been like? (laughs) It was that as well. You can't pick the Welsh hooker when that line-out was so bad. For at least four games, can because I think a lot. I think a lot of the Welsh line now problem is not Ken. It's bloody. It's it's the way that it's. I think it's, it goes down to coaching. I think it's Robbie McBride's coaching of that before. <laughs> I knew I you'd somehow I, find it a way to make it Robbie McBride's <laughs> fault. What, what Ken gives you around the park, you know, is is something else for a hooker. Like his tackle counts crazy. He takes a ball on. He's, he's intelligent with the ball in his hands. He's not the greatest lineup thrower in the world, but uh, I've still got him in my in my starting team with with Sinclair and Evans, but with with Ken and Hooker. Second row, 
Alan Wynne Jones, obviously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Both second rows, Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah. Uh, Alan Wynne Jones and James Ryan, I said. A solid performance James from James Ryan. Ryan. With a, 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 an honourable mention for Adam Beard, I think, who's been a fucking revelation. Adam Beard was quietly very, very, very good, wasn't he? The work that he does, both offensively and defensively, mall work is phenomenal. Wales suddenly have a mall that's not a complete shambles going like on their own throat. And the work he did on the Ireland mall and the Scotland mall last week, to be honest, and the England mall before that, has been phenomenal. And he still never lost a test match. See, that's why I can't say I would pick both of those, you see. <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely. Because of a balance thing, is that what it is? Because I look slightly biased, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna withhold my second row vote. Okay, <laughs> but it, it is, it is those two. But James Ryan remains unbelievably good, and was once again probably Ireland's best player on the weekend. Just fucking smashed everything. But who's your back row, Josh? Uh, I went uh, Curry, Vunapola, uh, and Josh Navidi. I went mm. Navidi and Curry, mm. and then but Moriarty. He played very well on the weekend. He's been abrasive all season as yeah, well. He's been a right really, fucking You know, you're talking about having a, having a nasty, you know, lacking nasty players. He's got that little twinkle in his eye, right? He fucking loves it. It's in the genes, and he, he fucking does, mate. You can, you can tell, like, you can't get away with punching people these days, I know, but if it did kick off, I'd be right with you, Moriarty. Imagine when he goes home, Dad, Dad, did you, you see me? Yeah. Did you see me, Dad, on Saturday? Did you see me, like, really causing loads of shit? Uh, he had that moment where like the referee had to give him quite a stern telling off because literally 30 seconds after Gareth Davis was a moron yeah. he just flew into a ruck late and was just pulling people off and the ref was just, come on mate did you see that like, bit where Adam Alan Wynn pulled a bloke off? It was a, Rob Evans oh. was about to give a penalty for lying yeah. on. And Alan Wynn <laughs> lifted him off one-handed. Fucking get off. Do you know what I think? Do you know what if I go back to my days of as a football player and youngster, when I got most improved player of the year in 1980 season, say <laughs> Davis FC, right? Um, my most improved player, but not in the wanky way that I won it, which meant like my, I turned up my dad in a car, right? <laughs> <laughs> Navidi, I, I was, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say I, I was his, probably one of his biggest critics. We about, were the same. We never uh, believed yeah. he could be an international yeah. class back row. About a year ago, and he was fucking. Honestly, Saturday, mate, to see it up close, the work he does, he is like a machine. Honestly, God, he's tackling and his turnover, his hands on the ball, and his ripping, he's just in Christ on a bike, you know. And he's—I don't know how he doesn't stand out. Well, I know someone's daft. He's got that—he's got that sort of predator haircut, right? And that those lats you would bloody die for. Right? <laughs> but for a bloke, who, and he does so much. He seems—he seems to be under the radar. And I, I know that sounds a daft thing to say. I think he's. I don't know how he's under the radar because I thought he was so good. I think he's been so good this season. He just does so much unheralded hard work. Oh, it's a grafter. Like, and it's he's, he, he like, and that's the thing. I think because he's not the biggest, because he's not the heaviest. There was a sense that oh, is he a bit small to really? And when he's supposed to, when he plays seven, he did looks like he, he looked. Might to, be he looked to me quite pacey and dynamic, but didn't have enough about him to Whereas play at this level. This season, and I was wrong. He, the switch to six. The same thing. Yeah, like I totally said, he'd never, you know, he was never good enough to play international rugby. He's a really good club I player. I thought he was going to play for the Blues, mate. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't think he was going to play for the Blues. Did he come ago. through at Wanderers, your old club, Mike? Yeah, my old club, eh? 
it's just, yeah, the, what he's done in the last 18 months in terms of conditioning himself. And, you know, his body looks different. He's always been a big lad. But like you say, his fucking lats now are huge. The he guy was is, an Iranian wrestler, though. Yeah. Good genetic. He's got that vibe about him, hasn't he? And he just will not be he's knocked off speaking to, He's a Welsh-speaking, Iranian-speaking, English-speaking, Iranian Welshman, I think. What like a glorious time we live in. Fuck you, Brexit. Right. So, uh... <laughs> Although, to be fair to Iran, they never were part of that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, maybe that's why they voted out, because that's what was coming, you see. Uh, bloody Iranians coming over here in a load of bloody larders yeah. or something. Coming over here, making our rugby teams better. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think he's been, uh, Alan Wynne-Jones apart, I think he's been Wales's best forward. Yeah. I think if you were going to give a sort of an on the quiet player of the tournament, the player who's done the most while getting the least credit for it, yeah. it's probably him. Tipperick's been the same, though. To be honest with you, if, if, if Tipperick totally had played the way he played any other year, he'd be he'd be in he'd be in a team of the tournament as well. He's the thing just is, Tipperick, he's changed the way he plays at test level. You remember, you know, in 2012, 2013, where his sort of thing was, I'm going to effectively be. And an inside centre, but playing back row. You know, I'm going to be making breaks on the outside. I'm going to be throwing offloads, yada, yada, yada. He still does a little bit of that, but he worked so hard in defence on the weekend you know, against England. I coach my old boys' team, right? But if, if you're a rugby coach or you're involved with coaching, you try to tell <laughs> kids how to tackle, right? Watch how Tipperick... Ta- he, yeah. The there's a fellow who goes in like an exercise missile below the waist, never mind below the shoulders. He's always below the waist. And just scythes people down. He's a, he's a phenomenal tackler, he really is. And again, another one that's not big in the traditional sense. You know, he's he's not six foot oh, four, no, and eighteen not. stone. You know, he's not a Dan Lydiot or a Sam Warburton even. You know, oh. Navidi's six foot one. Tipperich is six foot two. They're both you know about 15, 16 stone. These are small lads for flankers in international rugby in, yeah. in twenty nineteen, and yet the graft that they do and the work that they get through is. Just remarkable. As they say in Manchester, though, as they say about Manchester, about Tickerbrick in Manchester, massive pestle. What does that mean? <laughs> Nose. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. It's pestle, so yeah. Pestle. Absolute, absolute conk on him, as they say. Around yeah. here. <laughs> right, then, should we finish off with shit good? Yes. Given we've been going on for fucking ages. Yeah. Right then, shit on Twitter. Andy gets in touch. He says, shit is the arsehole Scotland supporter sat behind us using foul, abusive language and pissed. Loads of kids sat by us listening to his nonsense and putting up with his ill-informed and unnecessarily loud bollocks. He said, but however good was that he left at half time. (laughs) This is Andy's a Scottish fan as well, so he's not an Englishman. That's funny. Yeah, obviously went off at half time to drink and commiserate. That's a pearl, isn't it? What else have we got? Have you got any shit? I haven't written anything down. I'm just going to have Twitter. Uh, Sexton. Something's not right there. Like, genuinely. A full-on Asbo-faced meltdown what? for 80 minutes. Like, I don't, yeah. He did don't... one good thing, which is that Stockdale kick and everything else. You know, he's booting out on the full. He was, like you say, he was just getting petulant. He lost it with his own team, lost it with the referee. Like, just think. like what? It was a horror show, and it's like... This that's, is part of what I, that's part of how he operates, to be fair. Yeah. But it just does seem to be 20% too much right now. Yeah, and he's just it's all going wrong for him. And it's like, ever since he was <laughs> World Player of the Year, basically, the wheels have come off. And it's... It's like winning manager of the month in the football. 
It's exactly Guaranteed that, a shit it? run of form. Yeah. It's the, the Madden curse to uh, use NFL parlance, but it's, yeah, it's mad. I don't really understand where it's all gone wrong for him, but he just looks like. I think they just, they've suffered, quite honestly, and I think any team would, that two of their two world class halfbacks have both had a dip in form at the same time. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to, no matter how good you are, it's very hard to deal with that, really. And well, the thing with that, I mean, I, I quite like off. Kieran Marmion, but you're not, you're not going to say, well, I'll start him instead, are you? No, but how much better did uh, they look on the weekend once he came off? Yes. And how the how many times could you have said that? Get Carbry on now. His head's yeah. gone. Complete yeah. shed well, collapse. Know, Get Carbry on. No, you mean this thing, they brought Carty on, and it's like, fucking hell, this, Carty, guy, yeah, is, this, this guy is fucking Connock's fly-off. Like, he's a good player, but hmm. it should not be a dramatic improvement when you bring the Connor fly-off on for reigning world player of the year, multiple European champion Johnny Sexton. It's, it's Something has gone badly wrong there. I think one of the commentators called him Johnny O. Sexton, which is quite funny. That was very funny. I did enjoy that. Yeah, and cause there was a, it was Eddie Butler and there was a Connor O'Murray as well. Johnny it's like, Eddie, come on, mate. Connor O'Murray and Peter O'Murray. <laughs> At least he resists doing it in an Irish accent like he does I was with, with the say, French. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I did, I did that, um, that bit for BBC Wales on that Six Nations sin bin thing. And I called him Lauren. I said, uh, Lauren Huggett, right? I said, I said, Lauren Huggett, or as uh, Eddie Butler calls him, Lauren Huggett. He just does that wanky accent all the time, doesn't he? But the thing they cut, the thing they cut out of, the, of that show was I, I picked a pass of the, of the Six Nations, and it was Owen Farrell's like, this lovely cutout pass, right? And I said, proof that at least in attack, Owen can use his arms. <laughs> and that, they just chopped it out. That's gone. So with you. I do Waste of perfectly well, good Well, funny you mentioned that, Scott, Scott Beatty got in touch on Twitter and he said, shit, was Owen Farrell? He lost a plot again, including the obligatory shoulder, shoulder charge. How did you get away with him, mate? Why is he talking well, about At least he was penalised this time. Yeah, he should be sent off, though. Pretty straight. Yeah, that was, a, was a yellow one. as a yellow. It was just... Yeah, because yeah. he, he said he was committed. But he was committed, he should have been in a shape to tackle or in a shape to charge down. <laughs> yeah. if he's he was committed to running in... Out. Like Not a massive down. ice hockey fucking shoulder check is what he was committed to do. <laughs> yeah. I was committed to playing in the NHL in the mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Strange one. Yeah, shit, another he shit. He gets away with more shit than, than anybody else in the Six Nations. It's true, it's bizarre. What else was shit? Vader's Jester gets in touch. He said, shit, is middle-aged white men in Britain, well, steady on, Stayed in Britain, throwing hey. their, to- <laughs> their toys out of the plan and complaining about PC culture because Crusaders might review their name. Oh, I don't against that. That's a New Zealand thing. Yeah. Crusaders will review the name because he literally had it written on his gun. Well, that's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I didn't he mention that the the extra chiefs have got that have got their mascot and he was, he was <laughs> yeah. He, and he said despite despite uh, requests to change it by Native Americans, which Native Americans are fucking going down to Exeter to watch him play rugby and get and get upset. Oh, there has actually it. been three local ones who've said I don't <laughs> understand why they do this. Yeah. Oh, fair play. <laughs> sort of now nah, your fucking sales, isn't it? Fair play, fair, play to, fair play to the Crusaders for at least thinking being about adults it. about it and going. You know what? This isn't important right now at all. However, <laughs> I must, at some point we'll pra- we're happy to have a chat about it. The, the Crusader connotations with the Christian bit, is it? Yeah, and the guy yeah. who, who shot up the mosque had, had the name of a cru- of a guy from the Crusades written on his gun. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, so it seems maybe they should reflect on it. Let's just say that yeah, it's good that they are. Let's not worry about this now. Let's not get into a big emotive debate about it now because this is silly. Because there are much more serious things to worry about. But 
Let's have a chat about it later. You'll never get a job. I wish more people would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Do it now. George, lovely, mate. As as a quick aside to uh, our rugby fraternity and and, uh, sorority, was... um, they did a minute silence for that for that mosque shooting. I'm not mm. sure it came across on the uh, on the uh, on the TV. You could hear a pin drop, and I thought this yeah, is it was two thousand, you know, fairly middle class white, uh, sort of nominally Christian audience that was in complete respect of that. It was just a, it was quite a special thing to see. To be honest, it was nice to be part of. They started clapping in Italy. They got very confused. Yeah, well, they're halfway through. They changed the halfway through. It was fine. What else have we got here? Shit. Robert Donnellan gets in touch on Twitter. He said, shit, was being sat in the Principality watching my team combust. He's obviously Irish, yeah? Sat next to the most archetypal, know-nothing Irish bandwagon bore. He said, however, good was that the 10-year-old Welsh lad sat behind us who explained in detail every referee decision to him and congratulated me for not giving up when Ireland scored. Brilliant. Isn't that lovely? A 10-year-old Welsh lad being an ambassador for you, fucking lad. Good lad. Yeah, well, shit for me was the bloke about four rows in front of us, right? Who was had a, like a stupid dragon hat on. He had his, and he, he was in his mid-50s, face painted, dragon hat on, fucking the proper Welsh shirt, all like a full kit wanker, right? All, who then, halfway through the game, started shouting out, you can stick your fucking chariots up your ass, right? In, in the game against... Here, the game against Ireland, right? <laughs> and I just... I, the woman next to me was, was this very nice English woman. I said, I do apologise. I said, we're not all arseholes, right? <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> why is this mad jingoistic nut job doing here now? I'm going to go to England in the middle of a Wales, Wales Island game. They kept zooming in on a bloke with his with a dragon head on his oh, face. I painted. Thought it, was him. it looked exactly like him, but it, it wasn't him. It looked like him. <laughs> but then good was, mate, that he left at half time. He fucked up at half time, too. That's been the only person in the crowd that left. Thank <laughs> He's seen enough. David McIntyre's got in touch. He said, shit is shit was Sexton and Farrell. Turns out that mental fragility affects all tens if their pack's going backwards and the game plan is turning to shit. Gareth Anscombe and Finn Russell have been destroyed in the past for far less incompetent performances. True, yeah. actually. True. Uh, Steph Franklin gets in touch. He says, shit is Gareth Thomas's jacket, which, oh, somehow, managed, which somehow managed to be simultaneously out. too big and too tight. I, do, I know what you mean because it was too tight round round the round the gut, but then there was too much. It was too much. It, of it. it was like too, too much play in the in, in yeah. the shoulders. Like at the top, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked like Stockhampton at the top. He wore that for the Six Nations Sinbin thing as well. It's like proper bright red, double-breasted zoot suit. Look, basically, you don't buy that. You don't buy that jacket and only wear it once. Halfway down his thigh. Is it dead long as well? Yeah. What I love about Garrett. You know what I love about Garrett is weird. He's getting increasingly more camp as the years go on. It's, it's like he's slowly just like letting it all come out. And not all gay people are camp. I know that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but he's obviously getting more and more yeah, that way. He's like he's obviously had to like pare down on whatever natural flamboyance he might have had just as a normal human being because he was obviously worried about it. Because <laughs> he's from perceived. Bridge End and people might get the wrong yeah. idea. Yeah, and he was worried about it being perceived as that. But now he's as he gets older, he's just like yeah. yeah, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to be. I'm just going to wear a, a knee-length, giant shoulder-padded, bright red velvet <laughs> jacket on television. And why the fuck not? Yeah. His teeth are great now, aren't they? Honestly, remember what his teeth used to look like. Is that you, Gareth? I can't see for the light bouncing <laughs> off your teeth. And I'm not sure if it's his PA or his. I did a I did a thing with him before, and and backstage was his. I'm assuming his PA. Who just sat there knitting? She brought a knitting with her and just sat there. Which I thought was a strange thing to do. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, there's, there's a bit of an Alan Partridge vibe. Right? <laughs> Are you lying, Lynn? Yes. <laughs> um, right, let's move on to Good and try and bring this yeah. to a close. Good, Tom Dare gets in touch. He said, Good is James Grayson. With all the focus on the internationals, it'd be unfair to overlook a very young flyer f- throwing flat, fast passes to create tries like a veteran. Watch Sarri's pinch him immediately. That's Paul Grayson's lad at Northampton. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's a... Uh, Paul Grayson's land at Northampton. What, oh, else we, what else we've got is good. Sarah gets yeah, in because Northampton won the uh, Anglo-Welsh Cup that nobody cares about on the weekend. Oh, yeah, sorry. I absolutely knew that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations uh, to, to Saints for winning some silverware for the first time since 2013 or something. Nobody cares. At least they still exist next season. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Um, Come on. Sarah gets in touch. He says, gets in touch and says, good, Scotland for the greatest comeback ever. He said, and shit, he says, the woman at, she says, the woman at my school said she hoped England put 100 past us, then declared she's half Scottish today. Oh, this dick, I saw that one. <laughs> I, love those, I love those people, right? Yeah. As much as I love my English family and my English friends, I've never met a Welsh person who's desperate to tell you they've got a fucking English grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking good point. <laughs> Yeah, I've never mentioned that on uh, this podcast ever, I don't think. No. Joe Rivett got in touch through Facebook, actually. That was unusual. And he Hello. said, uh, one for this week's, not the personal account, it was the Blood and Mud account. He okay. said, uh, one for this week's good, if it's deemed worthy. Yes, it is, as you can hear. He said, the New Zealand New Zealand Herald's headline today, which yeah. was, incomparable Warren Gatlin finishes his Six Nations reign exactly as he started it, by screwing England. <laughs> you got to love the Kiwis, haven't you? Let it, let it go, boys. <laughs> uh, stateside uh, rugby gets in touch. He said, "Good was Josh Navidi, but his massive yeah. back and with his massive back and dreads making him look like some sort of king cobra." Yes. <laughs> Dan Rugby Hoods gets in touch. He said, "Good was refing my boys under tens match on Sunday morning and hearing all the kids talking about talking excitedly about their Grand Slam heroes. It's absolutely what the game is all about." He said, however, what was shit was refing that game with an horrific Guinness hangover. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did Sunday is I got up with a really bad hangover Sunday. My little boy was supposed to be playing rugby. So there's under nine teams that I, that I referee and I coach. So my wife said, are you going to go take him? I said, yeah, of course I'm going to. I'm not going to let him down. So he got changed. I got changed. I was so bad, right, that I drove in my boots because I couldn't, I couldn't face the prospect of having to put my boots on when I got there, right? I, so Kelly <laughs> did my boots up for me because I couldn't bend over. So I drove... <laughs> Am I got to stand? It's not not an automatic. I drove the car there in boots, <laughs> and then we got there. They fucking called it off on Friday night because they bought a long <laughs> And you've never been more relieved to be able to drive home in your boots. Boy, on our own. <laughs> yeah, you just play on your phone for a bit, love. I'm gonna have a sleep here for ten minutes, and we'll drive home. Uh, what else have we got here? You and Miller gets in touch. He said, good is Sam Johnson. Aside from nearly yeah. being decapitated by him in the first half, did a neat job of containing stroke nullifying Manu Tuolangi. It's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. James gets in touch. That's Mackay James. He said, good is George Ford reminding Eddie Jones he's an international calibre fly half and not just a bloke yeah, who sits on the bench. Point, actually. Sure yeah. Bruce McConaughey gets in touch. He says, good is that, as you've already mentioned, actually, Mike, Scotland's odds of winning at halftime were 1,000 to 1. <laughs> And he said, good was a strange feeling of going from 31-0 down to being genuinely raging that we didn't win. I know. Must be. We have spoken about that, but fucking hell, guys. Just hold out for a couple of minutes. Nothing goes for well for Scotland, does it? Two minutes. Two. You know, that was a classic Wales move from back in the old days. (laughs) (laughs) 
T gets in touch. Yeah. He said, "Good was he sold it with his eyes." Yeah, that was the. Uh... Yeah. That reminds me of that really famous football commentary line. Do you remember that one? Used him by not using him. <laughs> oh, no, it's fantastic. It's a football commentary line from the seventies. I think it's Barry Davis. He's, he basically looks up as he was going to hit a one-two, and then drags it back the other way. Mm. He goes, he goes, looks up, used him by not using him, and then carries. <laughs> Finally, Peps gets in touch and says, "Good is Madar and Huje holding Giraldini's hand and caressing his face after his bad injury." No rugby no, is better is nice. morale stuff, but to be honest, it helps if you've got your teammates around you when this shit happens. Do yeah. they play for? Are they in the same club team? Don't know. Anyway, it was nice. Anyway. Yeah. So I also enjoyed the uh, the French prop being at when they went to the when they nearly went to uncontested scrums and he just uh, said he'd play hooker and the ref was like, Are you, "Can you play hooker?" and he was like, "Yes, I'm very good at it." <laughs> <laughs> did you see Nigel having to wait on that as well? Oh, well, the ref yeah, went, "Can you did. play hooker? Who's playing hooker?" And then Nigel walked over and went, "Who's playing hooker?" He's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, "Nigel, went, I'll take care of this. Who's playing hooker?" <laughs> yeah, he I just can't what, help it, can he? I just thought of a great good. You probably saw this on Twitter. It went, it went, got a lot of retweets on that. Was uh, old Alan Wynn, St. Alan Wynn Jones, right? Before the game, anthems. Oh, oh God, shipping. yeah, 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 yeah. And took his top off in the rain, his, his training top, and gave the little the kid to wear. It That's was like time. a jet. It's that sort of thing, isn't it? Like Alan Wynn Young- Jones is younger than me, but I want him to be my big brother. <laughs> He's the same age as me, and I want him to be my dad. (laughs) I don't understand. I think he could well be my son, but he's not. He's. um, I tell you what. After the game, after the Welsh game Saturday, sorry to harp on about it, but I'm allowed to. Right. So, um, I say it was so nice about about team and about that sort of bond they got with with the with the with the crowd as well. I thought I couldn't imagine this happening in a in like a in a in a football match. Maybe it does, but. They'd obviously been given. They gave all the players just bundles of t-shirts, Grand Slam t-shirts. Yes, and they were just throw them to the crowd. So it yeah. wasn't like some. It wasn't like some people that worked for the stadium chucking the, the, the t-shirts out. This was the players just played eighty minutes of Grand Slam rugby, are going out there and just giving out loads of free t-shirts to the crowd. I thought it was a nice touch. Now you see, if you had managed to win the Grand Slam, would that have been put all over social media and told you you're arrogant bastards? Because that's what would happen if it was England. Absolutely. They'd be straight. They'd be straight. The bit, the you don't have to worry about that because you won the Grand Slam, didn't you? I suppose. So that's the thing. Is is it's? I think when England got a load of shit for that, it was when the Grand Slam T-shirts were not that common. Now everybody does them, <laughs> so it's kind of like not a new story anymore. I well, thought we're but, fucking trailblazers, is it? Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, indeed. But we had runners-up T-shirts made as well, just so we're a nice guy. So <laughs> <laughs> just in case we lost. <laughs> I did really enjoy that uh, Gatlin said that, yeah, that they were going to cancel the classic, the traditional coaches post Six Nations debrief meeting oh, that yeah. they usually have on Tuesday. And he said, yeah, I think we'll just go for a long lunch, which, <laughs> which, is, which is public speech for, yeah. like, By the time most of you are listening to this, Sean Edwards, Rob Howley and Warren Gatland are having a fucking all day and they're having a lovely time. <laughs> so I'll pick them up if you want me to. <laughs> my wife came out with me. I was, I was like I said, I mentioned it was my anniversary. So after the game, we're in the pub watching the game, and she's got to finish this masters the thing that she's doing at the moment. And she said, I really, I need really to get back home, babe. I said, Well, okay. Um, it was pissing down my rain, right? I said, Well, she said, Would you like me to walk home on my own and then even just stay out on the, with the boys? I went, That'd be marvellous. So uh, <laughs> she, she did, so hats off to my wife. She did that as well. I said, Listen, text me again so I know you're safe. And she walked on with the rain to leave me in the pub with the boys. So I thought that's a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah. That's not. That's not a. Sm- was that from 
the center. Was that uh, Did she walk from the center? Feel so. Is it? It was a good sort of 20, 25 minute walk. It is. It's a bit of a yomp, that isn't it? You know. Definitely. Luckily, by the time I left, the, the rain had stopped, so it wasn't too bad. Because <laughs> it was Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, and on that bombshell, we'll finish there. Thank you very much, Mike. Cheers, Lee. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you very much, everybody who listens and contributes and sends in your shit good stuff. We get so many now that it's really hard to get through everybody, but honestly, we do do our best to get through them all and certainly read them all. And we'll speak to you all very soon. Take care. Goodbye. Okay. Oh, no. Is it everywhere? No. Sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network.